0: Hello, I'm Andrew McCarran, and this is the latest episode of SBC Leaders Podcast. Uh, with me today, I've got Joe Whitaker, Group CEO of Betfred, and Kresimir Spajic, who's the USA CEO.
1: Guys, how are you doing?
2: Good. Nice to be here.
1: Good. Thank you for inviting us.
0: No, no. Good, good to be here in Barcelona at our SBC uh, Summit event. Um, Joe, I appreciate uh, this is maybe the 1st we you've done this for industry... Uh, Industry yeah, press. My
2: first time in Barcelona as well. So, oh wow! Yeah. Okay, well, delighted we'll, to be here.
0: well we'll we'll be gentle with you. But <laughs> uh, not to start off with, I mean, um, we 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 talked about um, downstairs. You you were you were on a panel and you were talking about um, the vision of Betfred going forward. Um, you know, what what do you see that vision to be?
2: Betfred has a over fifty year old legacy. We've been slow to. Most things we've done. So we were slow to grow the retail estate and then went really fast, accelerated. We were slow to launch online in the UK and then accelerated. So we're, we're now in um, South Africa. We've got two businesses in South Africa. We're launching the Betfred South Africa brand and we're the majority investor in Lotto Star. And we're also in 10 states in the US, which is really exciting for us. Probably we'll then look at other territories, but I think we need to focus on what we've got. Um, the Lotto Star transaction was fantastic for us. It was a new way of working, sticking with the local partners. They're still in the business with us today, giving them the full autonomy to continue doing what they're doing, which is fantastic. Um, against the challenge, the challenge of a new brand in a new territory, which is never easy when people haven't heard about Fred, but we're working on that now.
0: Obviously, Becfair is very much a, a UK brand for for yes. a long time. And uh, like you say, almost like the tortoise and the hare yeah. came up. And you know, is it the second biggest retail state or is it third? Maybe third after we Will we'll you know? be
2: third after Hills.
0: So what made you sort of look beyond those borders? You know, what made South Africa an interesting uh, prospect?
2: It was just an opportunity that arose. We look at a lot of opportunities. It was one that excited us. So... Betfred South Africa was the acquisition of a business in administration betting world. Um, And so that brought us 60 retail shops. We're good retailers. We know what we're doing. Retail in South Africa is a world away from the UK. You know, your average shop has... 60, 70 counter-hands. Um, you know, in the UK, we have two to three. So they're like stadiums. It's a phenomenal experience. Really exciting to be around. So Betting World brought us the 60 retail shops and it brought us a small online business. Um, and then once we were in the South African market, you start to hear about the players, you'd make relationships. And we met the Lotto star team. And it's, yeah, it's been great since then.
0: Excellent. So, I um, mean, Chris, May, you, you've joined... More or less this week to to, to head up the um, the U S operations. I mean, what attracted you to Betfred? What what uh, what did you find? What what are the values that uh, sort of drew you to the company?
1: I think what attracted me is kind of tradition. It's a family run business. It's it's privately, fully privately owned. Um, decision making is pretty straightforward, and there is a quite a bit of proud in history being a bookmaker for almost fifty years. Add to this uh, uh, an owner who is uh, deeply in love in Beth Fred and love what he does. And he's very convincing when he's talking to you and trying to sell you the story about the Beth Fred and working for it. I think this was one factor. Second, I also met Joe. Um, I've seen also that companies changing by bringing her and and, and, and with some expansion also in other markets and I thought this is a good combination for me that I can contribute with my understanding of the US markets and working with them uh, closely and believe I think you know I come from very large organizations very big companies where lots of time is spent on governments and board meetings and shareholder meetings and you spend ultimately 50% of your time just dealing with administration I feel here. We do a lot of things with a handshake and an agreement. And as Joe said, her management style is like, okay, we have an agreement, go and and deliver now on whatever we have agreed. And I think this is an opportunity for me to actually focus more on on building business than on politics around the business. There's
0: a reason why um, Fred Donnelly was one of the earlier um Inductees to the uh, Sports Betting Hall of Fame that we launched. He's uh, yeah, someone who's been there, uh, what the walk, talk the talk. And, uh,
2: I think he's seen most changes come. <laughs> and, you know, for us, it's a really exciting time. We are building a team. I'm a great believer in recruiting people that know more than you and taking on Cressamere with his experience. It just opens up so many new markets to us. The US is difficult. It, you know, it's difficult for everyone. I'm confident that Cressamere will... Find the way through
1: for us. That's good. Thank you for believing in me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that one and to
0: motivational talk of the morning. Um so Joe, you, you took over CEO, was it?
2: Two and a half years ago. Two and a half years yeah. ago.
0: So right in the mix of uh, still around COVID. Yeah. Um uh, you mentioned that you thought actually that was probably the death knell of the retail estate, but it's been on a gradual decline over the over the twenty tens and things like that. Um, but you you were kind of anticipating that actually the retail was was going to was going to go. Um,
2: yeah, I mean it was unprecedented for obviously for everyone, but the shops just closed overnight, and it was why on earth would a customer go? We saw our online business go through the roof. It was a, a fantastic growth story for for everyone. Um, but we saw those customers convert to digital, and you know why? Why go back to retail? It it's easier online. It's a touch of a button, and there was, it was worrying for us. But you know, like I said earlier, the shops have recovered completely. Um, people like the community. It's habitual going into the local betting shop, doing your football coupon, et cetera. So retail is good for us. Costs are increasing all of the time, which will always be a challenge. But, you know, we're passionate retailers. Our brand is on on every high street in the UK Um, and similar in South Africa. So again, you saw the conversion, but the customers came back. They, they want to be in that retail space.
0: Do you think people dismiss the community aspects of the bench shops a, bit, a little bit too easily? Maybe be in a bit of a snobby kind of way?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, our staff are phenomenal throughout the estate and many of our customers come back to the shops to be with those staff, to have a cup of tea, to have a chat. It's just part of their daily routine. And, you know, we can never underestimate the power of retail, both the, the banners on the high street and, the staff and the way that our customers think about us—we're, you know, we're one of the most highly recognised brands in the UK. We under-index on market share. Our technology has been a journey, um, but we're we're getting there.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, they say a shop's only as good as its staff. Uh, when it, when it comes to uh, betting shops, I mean, how do you show leadership to you know the the, the part-time cashier? Um, how how do you get? them to follow the, the Betfred way of custom service?
2: Many of our staff have been working for us for, forever. You know, we've got um, strong staff loyalty, constantly looking at the benefits, the, the salary structure. We're a real living wage employer in the UK, which we're proud to do. It's not easy with the costs, the, the high costs on the high street, but yeah, it's just about reinvesting in staff, training, acknowledging what they're doing and making sure we've got the right package for them.
0: And obviously, in the US, the um, the retail sports betting is, is relatively new compared to certainly uh, somewhere as mature as the UK. Uh, have you seen any um, similarities between you know how the how the um, customers ab- approach the
1: brands? Yeah, just very different concept, right? Because in US, as you know, retail business is tethered mostly to the casinos, so you're limited where you can actually locate those businesses and how many of them. You can have so I think it's a very different experience for what joy is saying it's about having a high presence on as many corners or many streets as you can in us is more about bringing a flagship stores right so you choose locations and you choose the partners which have a a, a good footfall where this is like another flagship amenity for them and try to kind of to put your brand forward to them. But it's not usually a higher revenue generator. If you look at the US trends, 92% of the revenue comes from digital business and only 8% comes from retail business. So I think from a branding perspective, it's more about bringing flagship VRP experiences while while digital business is actually the main uh, uh, focus when it comes to this. I think when it comes to the brand, we are trying to replicate this with different activities like through sponsorships, right? Uh, in order to replicate a bit of a, of a formula of a bad friend, which is your local bookie, somebody where you come uh, to socialize, somebody where you get an excellent customer service. We're trying to replicate this through our sponsorships of uh, Cincinnati Bengals or Denver Broncos. Of uh, Las Vegas nights and try to tie in with the local community uh, through that. So it's definitely a different strategy. Joe,
0: when you first started working, really with uh, Fred Doan, uh he invested in your, in your startup business. But but one of the uh, one of the clauses was you weren't allowed to pull a wage until uh, the company was in profit.
2: Yeah, I was with Fred 20 years ago when we rolled out EPOS and I was a developer. So um, the developers struggled to pull the wool in front of my eyes, let's say these days. But um, I wanted to go away and do my own business. Fred and I had worked really closely together for three or four years. And he said that he'd always back me. So the deal was I had to find my own replacement because he was clueless (laughs) about IT and still is. I had to find my own replacement and I couldn't take salary till we were earning money. So I gave up my job, gave up my salary and set up my own business. Yeah. Never look back. It's been a really exciting journey.
0: And, and what did that approach sort of teach you? Was it, was it a good way of focusing, focusing?
2: Yeah. Focusing <laughs> mind, mind. You're very profit driven. Um, didn't want to take on too much debt. He was offering me at the time. It felt like a fortune. He offered me a hundred grand for a share in the company and it was only loan he was putting in. There was no equity going in. Um, And at the time that was probably the value of my house. It was like, you know, it was a long time ago and I treated every penny like my own, but that's the way we'd worked at Betfred. We were spending millions at the time. We were launching online. Uh, We'd rolled out EPOS through the estate. We were on the, a really rapid growth scale of acquisitions. Um, And I'd always worked like that. Um, so Everyone says the transparent. I'm honestly really transparent. I say it as it is. I don't mince my words. I challenge him. I argue. Um, and we just built this really strong working relationship. And he was taking a risk. I'd never run a business. I'd run an IT department for a small bookmaker. Um, so, yeah, it, it was good. It took two years. Well, maybe two and a half. And then we started making money so I could take a salary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thankfully.
0: And I, I suppose... Um... You know that kind of decision making is is what you were talking about before with it being a you know a, a private- int- entrepreneurial guy he's he's got lots of other businesses outside of uh, of vetting um i think there's a travel business and a pensions business and different things like that um so he's also got an eye on you know how other industries work so I was wondering you know how 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 much of an advantage does you know Fred himself give from a from a from his experience in other sectors <laughs>
2: Fred just gives us the ability to get on with it mm. and that can be positive and negative. So, you know, if anyone in the business in the team has a, an idea, something they wants to try, you know, you have to evidence why it'll work, how it'll work. And then you just just given the freedom to get on with it. And that's, I just need to make sure now we develop, you know, continue to develop as an exec and look at the territories and look at what we want to do and make the right decisions.
1: Yeah, I'll just add to this. It seems that he became a bit softer with an age because he actually offered me a salary yeah. <laughs> from the get-go. <laughs> so, so I think he's just getting a bit softer. But otherwise, I I definitely agree with yeah. everything we Joy
2: saying.
0: So mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're currently in 10 states at the moment. Um, and some firms are actually rolling back um, their exposure in some of the markets. Um, what's... what's Fred going to do differently than uh, some of these other guys who have for some reason seem to have unexpectedly found it too tough?
1: Yeah, look, I'm in the U.S. now since 2013, 10 years. I went through a couple of roller coasters. The first was opening of only a couple of uh, gaming-related uh, U.S. states, which was basically New Jersey and Delaware. At that point of time, uh, land-based businesses were partnering with uh, European Digital businesses expecting that online casino is going to spread as a flame. You know, fast forward 18 months, nothing has happened, right? So that was the first down way where everybody got super excited, decided to invest. And then you could operate really in New Jersey because Delaware was kind of exclusive state. Now you have a second way, right? With an opening of sports betting, you had this huge rush into the U.S., which is economically and by size one of the largest markets in the world, right? So you suddenly have 70 different operators entering the U.S. and everybody was raising money because capital was relatively easy, cost of capital was low, and many people got excited and thought that they can make a difference in it, right? And then what happened with the COVID and a bit of economic crisis and with inflation, money ran out and many people are now realizing we don't have any more capital we don't have technology we don't have anything to compete with so what you're seeing many people withdrawing or going belly up so I think the difference with with, with the bad thread and with our company is that we decided to press press server the word persevere <laughs> persevere <laughs> So I'm. Uh, Joe is trying to teach me that word already for two days <laughs> and I, I still cannot say it. But yeah, I mean, we just decided, look, everybody is going out. We are a private company. I think Fred and Joe and, and the whole ownership decided to continue investing in the U.S. They want to make an example of this and they believe that it can be successful. So I think this is the first and most important thing. What we can do better i think us market it ultimately boiled down to 10 15 operators right plus some uh what i call local or regional operators which will be in one or two states which have maybe some competitive advantages of reason to do this and i think in this environment you can carve out a niche for yourself right and what is our niche we don't expect to be market leaders. We want to be a market contenders carving out a piece of market share for us, which is focused on customer centric approach, right? We want to be closer to our customers. We want to talk to them on a personal local level. We want to maybe give a bit more back to them, right? And I think this is what we are going to try to do it. And how we are going to do it, as I said, tying into local sponsorship, working with the local communities and putting much more effort into relationship with our customers because it's very hard to expect that we can uh, compete on a a marketing budget level that we can even compete on a technology level so we need to focus on excellence in operations and relationship with our customers and if we car out uh, a a single digit uh, uh, market share i think this will make us happy as long as the business is sustainable
2: yeah i mean the us is difficult there's no hiding we we Followed everyone else. We put our flag in as many states as we could. We're at ten, um but now we need to really drill into that strategy and and support Cressmer in being able to deliver what he wants to deliver. And again, giving them the autonomy to get on and do it. And we're not under pressure from shareholders externally. We can just go for it. See what happens. See what opportunities are there. I'm still
0: feeling that. A bit of the tortoise and the hare as well. You don't have to be doing increased numbers every quarter and reporting no, to No, we everybody. just need
2: to get it right.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's not only for us. I think for everybody it's reflection time in the US, right? From chasing, first you had a a, a, a wave of just speed to the market. Yes. Let's just get into the market. Nobody cared about product. Nobody cared about anything. Let's just open each and every market, right? Then you had a wave let's just grow handle let's just grow top line revenues right and then with increased inflation and cost of the capital ops suddenly ebitda is the king right so now we're in a phase ebitda is the king and these are normal cycles in every market right and how market mature so we are reflecting now i think that we are looking into what we can do we are looking into each and every individual states plus we have an access to some additional States, which might open up or we still haven't gone in live. And I think in in the, in the following kind of months and years, we expect to develop a a strategy that actually makes sense. Right. It's not like a, a player that targets very, very wide funnel and every better. we are going to find our players that are going to be loyal with us and, and and respect basically the more attention that you're going to provide to them.
0: We talked below about sort of the perception of the industry. Um... You know, and how it's got a negative uh, connotation in nearly every single media story that comes out these days. Um, one of the reasons why we did we launched the uh, Hall of Fame is to kind of fight back against the negative perception the industry have and say, well, look, we we provide entertainment to millions of people. You know, these people are innovative, you know, pushing things forward. They, they ought to be recognised for the, uh, uh, along those lines, um, but. Are we missing a trick? I mean, what more can brands do to try and sort of chip away of, the, of that negative perception um, that we have, which seems to be worse than a lot of the other vice industries?
2: It's really difficult, and we haven't helped ourselves. Um, again, UK-specific, um, you know, we've come under a lot of scrutiny. There's been a lot of fines. There's, we haven't had the protection in place historically, Probably we needed, but technology was running so fast. Um, I think now the UK is the safest market to have a bet in. The player protection tools that we've put in place, there's always more you can do. We're always trying to do more. The white paper, let's see where we get to after that. But we just need to keep doing the right thing. We need to keep building on the tools, the protection that we're putting in place for consumers and stop those horror stories, um, which none of us want. We don't want, one problem gambler is too many. We say it all the time, but it's true. You know, we just, we want people to have a bet, enjoy themselves, and we want to sleep at night as leaders.
0: I suppose in the US, it's, it's um, on a slightly different point of the curve when it comes to acceptance of, uh, of gambling. There's still still quite positive is it at the moment
1: but i think positive it's just thing? very different i wouldn't say this look i think the difference between the u.s and and, and europe is that you have all of these large casino uh, integrated resorts which are kind of an entertainment venues and the perception in the u.s you have more than thousand uh, uh retail casinos in the u.s is this is a place where i go and entertain so this is i think the biggest difference like in, in your perspective about gaming or, or gambling is this is a, a vice. Mm-hmm. In, if you go to U.S. and you say, look, I'm going to this and this property, not to name some of, 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 of large casino organization, you're actually proud of this. It's, it's also a status symbol. I'm going to go there and I'm going to have a nice dinner. I'm going to go and, and see a nice concert. And then I'm going to go and have fun uh uh with my play with my friends right and and game as well right it's not something that you hide and i think it's just the difference in the culture and here casinos has been for a long time of a tradition, right? Of of the casino business, especially in the last 20, 30 years. When it comes to sports betting, it's also perceived as a form of entertainment, right? So I think this is also, there is a difference. And when it comes to responsible gaming measures, US has them for a long time, including the retail uh, uh, level. So they also think that um, this is handled pretty well. And look, as any other, uh, I would say, industries or any other factors or, 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 or parts of our life there is always outliners right in everything in we can be in moderating in any aspect of our life right so you're gonna have probably always few people which are gonna be in moderate in gaming as well we are doing our best and, and trying to do our best together with the regulators to prevent this will it ever be a 100 percent success rate probably never
0: I mean, this was a bit of a, <laughs> a mood change, but um, for, for the last question, what we do um, for people who are uh, coming on the podcast is just basically, how do you unwind? How, how do you switch off from work and refresh yourself ready to come back in work 9am the next morning? So, you know, what do you do to unwind out in uh, Warrington? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Somebody asked me recently what hobbies I have and I went, I had to go away and I have thought about it quite a lot because I don't have any and I, I don't really know why, you know, I love work, work is my hobby, and then I've got three kids, so I walk in the door, I'll do my calls, and I'll be like, shh, you know, everyone be quiet kind of thing, and then he's just turn back into mum, and you're taking them to clubs, sports, running around, I took my eldest to university this weekend, you know, that's the way I switch off, just, it's like the work person off, mum is back on, and it's, all forgotten obviously the phone's ringing constantly and I'm checking emails but you know we manage that I I love that side of it yeah
0: I I, I say to I say to uh, people in the office that I come into work for a rest from my (laughs) to
2: my husband's a stay-at-home dad so yeah I I would much prefer being at work I it's hard work being at home love my kids to bits but yeah love being able to focus on work as well
0: how are you Christmas
1: yeah, look, you don't come to a certain level in your career if you actually don't like what you do and you don't like work. You, you're a go-getter. You're, you're an achiever. You actually enjoy what you like. And this is the part of, of life. And challenges is actually something that excites me and that I want to deal with on a daily basis. So that's a good part. Do you sometimes overdo it? Yeah, pretty very often, <laughs> right? But where you find your outlets, as, as Joe said, look, my outlets is, is family. I, I have a still young family and young kids. When I have time, I try to be with them. And I also, for me, I need physical activity. So sports is my kind of place where I go and went out when I find time and this helps me balance basically work, family, uh, and life. But going back, we wouldn't be here yeah. if we actually don't like it. So I, I don't feel that I'm uh losing much by, by actually doing what, what I love. I
0: suppose that's one of the advantages of being in an entertainment uh sector. The stuff you're doing is actually a bit more entertainment than um point of working out ceramic tiles for bathrooms and things <laughs> or freight, you know. It's uh, I'm sure they have their own highlights, but you know, not quite as uh quite as entertaining as, uh, as what we put on. So guys, thank you very much for your time. Um, yeah, and I hope to see you on a
1: future episode.
2: Thank so, you.
1: Thank you, Andrew.
2: Thank you.